my God, the energy that was blasting out of the palms of my hand is something that I had never in my life felt before. If you have any curiosity, if you feel something, if you think something, if, if there's something that's kind of biting at your heels thing, there's something out there, then this is the conversation that you want to listen to. But my biggest takeaway is that you're only going to hear the message if you're ready for it. So Lila, just so you know, was a ghost that we had in our house in Florida. And she's been with me for many years and done like physical things that you can actually see. Before I ask my next question, I want to go back to the ghost. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's talk about Lila. So y'all are not scared of ghosts. How do we make soul contracts? And how does that affect us once we incarnate? You're up, you're ready, and you're listening to the Brittany Mac Podcast. Everyone has a story. Applying them to Inspire the World Weekly on Motivation Mondays. Here's your host, Brittany Mack. Hello, everybody. Today we have TV host Karen and producer <laughs> and we also have will who's an executive producer you guys are metaphysicians uh, i mean yes <laughs> <laughs> depends on who you ask yeah. yeah we're the hosts of a podcast called the skeptic metaphysicians and on that podcast we check out everything metaphysical so we're learning along with our audience and we're all becoming metaphysicians together yeah yeah <laughs> And the reason why it's called a skeptic metaphysician is because when we started it, I was really skeptical. Uh, I want to believe this stuff is real, but I'm one of those people, I, I just can't, just because you say you're a psychic doesn't mean I'm going to believe you're a psychic. I have to figure out like some way to feel it, taste it, touch it. I got to know that it's real before I can just full on believe it. Taste it? Well, you know, <laughs> there the, the could be clear tasting. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> give me my things, okay? Okay, you can have that one. <laughs> Thank you. Taste away. So how did you get into truth seeking and trying to find out all of the secrets of the universe? You have to rein Will in. Yeah, I do. I do tend to talk. Um, that's a loaded question because honestly, for those that are looking for answers, the short answer is they're already inside you. The long answer is you have to find a way to get them out of you. And this path is not a short one. This is a path that is going to be a path that you're on for the rest of your life and probably several lifetimes. In fact, we've already been on this path for several lifetimes. We just don't remember the past lifetimes. At least that's my my belief system. And to make it even trickier, Will's talking about you know answering questions that the answers are inside of you. But first, you have to really figure out what exactly the question you're asking is, yeah. because you might think you're asking a certain question. You might think that that's what's really important to you, and then through whatever you know, whether it's therapy or or just diving into yourself, you find out that that wasn't even close to what the question really is. So yeah. that sometimes is the hard part. All right. So did we answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> You pretty much did. You pretty much did. <laughs> See, I, I first started trying to discover um, the truth once I had a wreck. So at first, a lot of people kept telling me about these things. And I thought I was listening, but I guess I wasn't. It was going right over my head. 
But after I had a wreck, then I had time to really just dig deep in. I thought I was looking for one thing and I just went down the rabbit hole and started finding out so much. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so much that I got to learn. So <laughs> that's, that's how You're I started. You're so right. In fact, one of the things we talk about all the time on the show is the fact that the more we learn about this path, the more there is to learn. Mm -hmm. It's just a never ending mm -hmm. learning. And the cool thing is that, well, let me rephrase that. One of the hardest things about following in these steps is that you might be so unbelievably overwhelmed at first with so much information out there that it, it's an easy thing to say, you know what, forget it. This is a bunch of baloney. I'm just going to, this is, I'm, I'm going back to my other paths, which is a lot simpler, but stick with it because little by little, these pieces that are seemingly completely disconnected from each other eventually are going to start kind of putting themselves together in puzzle pieces that little by little are going to reveal a larger puzzle that starts to make a lot more sense for you. So don't get disheartened because there's so much out there. There is. And there's going to be always a lot out there to still learn. But you're going to find a path for you that's going to resonate with you. And you're, you're going to want to go down that path, that modality to help you start on your journey. And little by little, other things will come along to, to make it more robust. And while it's really good to talk to people about the experience and share your experiences, one thing that's really key to know and to remember throughout this is that what your truth is might not be someone else's truth. Mm. So when you're looking for the truth, it might be very different to, to what someone else has experienced. So don't let that, you know, don't let that make you think, oh, well, then I'm wrong. It's just everyone's reality and everyone's life is very different, very specific, very spiritual and singular to them. Mm. So it works for you might work for someone else, but chances are it's going to be slightly different. Yeah, that's a great point, Karen. In fact, you might find that you're on the opposite end of things and going, no, what someone else believes, that can't be right. That can't be, you must be wrong. The fact is that they're not. What we are finding is that our own paths are 100% valid. Mm -hmm. So let's say you were, grew up Catholic, right? We both, Karen and I both grew up Catholics, but it wasn't our path. So we lost sight of it. And after a while, for a while, it was, at least for me, I was very anti-Christianity because of the experiences that I had in the church. But later on, as I'm going down this journey, I'm finding that Christianity, Catholicism, it's a great path for some people. And it's 100% valid. Just because it's not valid for me doesn't mean it's not for them. It just happens to not be mine. But for them, I support it 100% now. You should tell her your mountain of truth story. Oh, yeah. Here's a, one of my favorite stories, and listeners to the show have heard it uh, a few times, but uh, this is new, so yay. <laughs> I get to say it again. Um, so here's how I make sense of spirituality or religions in the world. Right? One day, God was standing on his mountain of truth, and he's looking down on the world, and he's liking what he sees. So he kind of leans in to take a closer look. But when he does that, he loses his footing and stumbles back and grabs his footing again. But as he does so, a couple of pebbles from this mountain of truth get dislodged and fall down onto the onto the earth. And he looks, peers over the edge to see what's happening with these pebbles on the on the on the planet. And as he does so, he sees all the peoples from the planet 
running towards these pebbles, grabbing them, lifting them over their heads and yell, I have the truth. When in essence, all they have is a little pebble of the mountain of truth. So the moral of the story is there's no way we're ever going to have the entirety of the truth. All we can do is grab our little pebble and make that what we follow. Yes, that's an amazing story. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that story. I tell it all the time. In fact, I'm so glad Karen said something because wow, I almost missed an opportunity to say it again. I'm surprised you missed it. <laughs> I know. I'm not on my game. Not on my game. So what are some of the biggest takeaways from your search? I think um, we have talked to so many people from so many different modalities, channelers, psychics, mediums, um, palm readers, uh, gosh, energy healers, breath work. I mean, just you name it. And for me, the biggest thing that I have realized is that everyone, no matter what modality they're using, no matter what they are talking about during their practice, the overall encompassing message is the same. And that is sharing the light and, and love and peace and, and raising everyone's vibration and, and building this beautiful community to help kind of bring our planet to a better place. Mm, yeah. So I think that probably a lot of people that listen to your show are going to be listening to this. They may not be here anymore because they're going, oh, these people are crazy, right? They're, they're thinking crazy things. <laughs> and, and what we're talking about here, it's not for them. Then you're going to have another set of people that listen to your show that are already like, oh yeah, this is for sure. I'm on board. This is, you know, the, the, in fact, they're, they're talking way below my level. I'm, I'm way beyond that. And, and this may not be for them either. But then there's that sweet spot. Those people listening in your audience that are really curious about this stuff, who have maybe experienced some things, but don't know what it is, or are intrigued by it and don't know if they truly uh, know or believe that this stuff is real. That's who we're talking to here, because no matter what, we're not going to convince that person that says this stuff is a bunch of baloney. And we're not going to be talking to the person that's already so far advanced that we're talking things that for them is like kindergarten. We are all on our own personal journey. And Karen and I happen to be in the spot where we are learning a lot and we're reaching our hands down to help up those that are just starting on this journey because we were there yesterday. And together, as we're pulling them up with us, together we learn on the show. And that's why we build a show Metaphysics 101 because it's really a, a dive into all different types of modalities so that you can follow one particular path that resonates with you uh, for the most part. But my biggest takeaway is that you're only going to hear the message if you're ready for it. All this stuff is, mm -hmm. it's legit. This stuff is real. This is reality. Quantum physics has proven a lot of this stuff already, but there's still people out there that are saying, nah, baloney, that's not real. <laughs> that's fine. They're not ready for it. It's okay. I'm all good with that. But if you have any curiosity, if you feel something, if you think something, if, if there's something that's kind of biting at your heels thing, there's something out there, then this is the conversation that you want to listen to. Yes. How did a butterfly teach you that everything is connected and that we are all connected? Yeah. That's another one of my favorite stories. <laughs> um, a, a long time ago, I'd say probably a few decades ago, my brother got married. And the day after he got married, we all decided to go on a whitewater rafting trip. 
this was in Colorado. He got married in Colorado. So we were down going down the Colorado River. And if you ever whitewater rafted down the Colorado River, they scare the bejesus out of you when you start because people have died on that river. The whitewater rapids are class four and class fives, which are the biggest classification. So they're really dangerous. So as you're going down the rapids, you are 100% focused. Your adrenaline is pumping like nothing else. You have eight or six, six to eight people on your boat and you're all rowing in unison. You're, fo- you're one focused force to get beyond this white water so you, you can all survive. And you go through parts of the river where you're really fighting this and then all of a sudden it, the white water clears and it's this beautiful serene calm area of the river that you're drifting down and you get a chance to breathe and just as you're starting to catch your breath all of a sudden here come the white water again and you start fighting all over again all right well after three or four or five of those um your energies your your focus is so tight that each one of these open areas is like a ah, breath of fresh air and one particular one that happened where we just opened up we're looking around. There's nothing but canyon walls and water. And then this monarch, beautiful monarch butterfly starts flitting around. And we're in two different boats. And everyone on the boats were putting their fingers up in the air going, oh, 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 land on my finger, land on my finger. Because the poor butterfly had nowhere to land. Well, I'm going, oh, these people are crazy. <laughs> this butterfly is not going to land on any of their fingers. He's too, they're, they're too afraid to get close to people. But something inside me, and Brittany, I don't know what it was yet to this day. Something said to me, Put up your finger. It's going to land on yours. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, my hand was up in the air and that butterfly landed right on my finger. And everybody on both boats were looking at me and yelling, oh my God, that's amazing. How'd you get it to land on your finger? Blah, 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 blah. I heard none of it. I heard like the, remember the peanuts, like when the, the parents talked, that's all I heard. Because in that moment, that butterfly that was on my finger and I were so connected that there was nothing else that existed in that instant except us. And we were one. And as my consciousness expanded, I realized that that wasn't just a butterfly now that we're one, but the butterfly, me, the people on the boats, the water, the canyon, everything around me, we were all one. We were all connected energetically. And just as quickly as it landed on my finger, it flew off and that feeling was gone. And that feeling from that day has been what I've been looking for because it was so 100% complete that I have no doubt whatsoever that we are all connected. We are all one. Mm-hmm. It was this one time somebody told me that, you know how we can't see everything? We can only see like 0.01% of what's going on. Oh, yeah. So someone told me, imagine the spider webs and look up at the stars. And we can only see the stars separately, like they are separate. But they was telling me to imagine that they were connected by spider, like spider webs are connected. Mm. And they told me that um, we can't see, but the stars are look like that, really. We just can't see it. And that's um, a story that I heard um, first about um, everything being connected and stuff. We just can't really see the energy. Yeah. Have you heard of uh, quantum entanglement? 
No, I have not. <laughs> this is a scientific fact, and I'm sorry I'm taking up all the microphone time, Karen. Oh, that's all right. Well, I'm used to it. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> uh, well, quantum entanglement, it's a, it's a quantum physics experiment that they did that has been now proven. What they did was they took a particle and they split it. They split this particle and they moved it 14 miles apart. Seven miles in one direction, seven miles in the other direction. And then they did something to one of those particles and they measured how long it would take for what they did to the one particle to reach the other particle. You know what they found? No. It was instant. The minute that they did something to the one particle, the other particle had the same exact effect. And what that proved was that once one particle, once you are one particle, and even though you're disconnected or separated, you're still connected in the quantum realm. And when you think about the Big Bang, at the time, we were one point. All of us were one thing. And we banged, we exploded outwards. So according to the law of quantum entanglement, we are all still connected. So if you do something to one of us, it's going to affect everyone else and everything else on this planet. And mm -hmm. I think that's what we're experiencing right now is a lot of the, yeah, I don't want to say karmic debt because uh, people hate that term, but um, there's a there's a law of cause and effect that's happening. When you do something bad to one person, it's going to come back mm -hmm. to you. That's true. That's why I try to I try to put out as much positive energy as possible because even you know sometimes you want to get that revenge and you want <laughs> somebody to suffer how you suffered but you you're like no God got it and God's gonna do way more than I can and if I do something it's gonna happen to me so I'm gonna have to suffer twice so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that that's true I try to keep that in mind yeah and then not to mention it anger and, and revenge, those feelings, they take up a lot of energy. And when you're thinking about those thoughts, you're, you're in a bad mood, you know, it's, it's upsetting you. So what I try to do is just focus on something else and maybe give someone an extra compliment or something, because what that does is it changes the energy that you feel inside of yourself and you feel so much better. And then you are less inclined to want to seek that revenge or even think about that anymore, because it just feels so much better to be in a, a, a beautiful, spiritually positive place than to be angry and, and spiteful. Mm. When you look at yourself in the mirror and you uh, don't like the person in the mirror and you hit that mirror because you're trying to hit that person out of anger, what ended up happening but hurting yourself? Mm -hmm. right? your, your hand, when you shatter that mirror, it's going to be all cut up and you're going to be in pain. Well, same general principle. When you take vengeance out on someone else, all you're doing is taking vengeance out on yourself. You're hurting yourself. So when you look at it that way, that we really are just one kind of makes things different in your mind. Mm -hmm. Yep, I totally agree. <laughs> How to make sense of the thought that everything that has ever happened or will happen has already happened. And is currently still happening. Mm -hmm. It will probably happen again. <laughs> Gosh, that that's a that's a hard thought to wrap your mind around. I mean, we are all interdimensional beings and time isn't the way we perceive it here in, in our normal daily life. It, it's, it's boundless. It happens in multiple dimensions simultaneously and at different times. And it's, 
I am not good. Will, <laughs> you're better at explaining this. <laughs> it's, it, it's another tenet of quantum physics, right? It is. There is no time. Time is a yeah. construct. Uh, according to quantum physics, everything that is happening has happened. Is already, It all happens at the same time. Mm -hmm. We had a guest on our show uh, who did... Um, was promoting actually Indian palm leaf reading. Oh, he was good, Dr. Q. Dr. Q. This was a really interesting episode because it revolves around what you're talking about. He says that 3,000 years ago, Maharishis actually wrote down information about all of us onto these palm leaves. And then they put them into libraries all around India, waiting for the moment that we would go and find that we needed those readings from them. And by all of us, he means everyone specifically. One about Will, one about me, one about you. Like every single individual person. Yep, every one of us. Now, of course, you ask the question, how is it possible that someone 3,000 years ago could write a reading for every single human being on this planet? The answer is that they didn't. The answer is quantum physics because he says, when you ask for a reading, what you do is you take a th one of your thumbprints, you take a thumbprint and you send it to them with some information about you. The act of you putting that thumbprint down on that parchment to send it out to them is the act that clues the Maharishi 3,000 years ago to start writing your reading on that palm leaf. Because it's all happening at the same time and because these Maharishis had the power to live in quantum worlds, quantum time, they saw, felt the energy of you putting down that thumbprint down, which was then requesting a reading from them, and they proceeded to write it down for you at that point in time. So then when you search for your leaf, the act of you searching for your leaf makes your leaf be there. If you don't search for your leaf, there is no leaf for you because the Maharishi hasn't been uh, queued up to write you the reading yet. But the minute, Brittany, that you put your thumbprint down, that's when your leaf comes into existence. So you're presently beginning the past. It's a total Doctor Who episode. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I've looked into some things and I've learned that and I'm like, oh my gosh. It's, yeah, I don't want to say too much though. But it, yes, I, can, I definitely can see what you are talking about in yeah. that sense. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we, we are so much more than what we think we are. We are so much more. Our human brains are not ready, are not prepared to fully understand all the mysteries of the universe. We're so much more than we could even imagine that we are. Even you, me, and Karen here talking about this stuff. We can't possibly imagine what the reality is out there. We can't. We don't have the facilities. Our brains can't uh, process it. But boy, when you finally loosen those coils, you've heard about these near-death experiences, people coming back with all kinds of stories. And the, there, there are legit people, scientific organizations, looking into the near-death experiences because they can no longer deny that these things are real. Mm -hmm. Well, talk about how you got absolute proof that there is more to this world than the 3D world we live in. Well, that's the that's been the mission of the show all along is to find proof. See, now here's where Will and I differ. He has yes. been hit in the head by proof <laughs> a thousand times, but refuses to see what it is. 
it's a coincidence. It's luck. I just, you know, I did this or whatever. No, yeah, <laughs> he just won't accept it. What it is, you yeah. know. We've we've both had experiences, but um, you know, and I can tell you some of mine. But yeah, that's the thing about Will. He can tell you I need the proof. The proof is right there in front of him, and he's just not recognizing it as the proof. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I know these things are so. <laughs> <laughs> these things are so subtle. Uh, the the messages that you get from the universe are so subtle that you can always write them off as, eh, that's just a coincidence or, yeah, you know. They're not always so subtle. You're right. They're not. But the ones that I've had are easy to put as, oh, it's something else until recently. Okay. Until recently. <laughs> right? Well, I think maybe now because you're open to it. Yeah. Like, I mean, look at your butterfly experience. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Okay. There's no question. And even when we were in Florida, I mean, you met Lila. Uh, yes, but and that's proof. So Lila, just so you know, was a ghost that we had in our house in Florida. And she's been with me for many years and done like physical things that you can actually see oh that she's gosh. done. <laughs> you know, there's no other way to explain it. So. Yeah. So same thing with UFOs, right? They're unidentified flying objects, but doesn't mean they're extraterrestrial. They're they're unidentified. It could be a balloon like You're we right. had a few months ago or whatever. Right. Yeah. So but the way that I finally Besides the butterfly, the thing that really got me into, yeah, this stuff is absolutely 100% real, is Reiki energy. Have you heard of Reiki? I have heard of that, but I don't know too much about it. Could you sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of hands-on healing, although the Reiki that I study, which is the Yusui method, you don't place your hands on the person. You put them just above the body of the person. And I used to live in the South Florida area and there was a store that I used to go to to explore some of these things and they used to have Reiki healing circles every Friday. They closed the store after close after work hours and they would have, you know, 20, 30, 40 people uh, sitting in a circle. Um, they go through meditation and then these practitioners would go around behind them and give them Reiki and sometimes you'd feel like, oh, well, so I felt something. I, I think I felt something. I'm not 100% sure, you know, that, that, that this energy is real. So they offered you to learn how to become a practitioner. So I went ahead and did that. It was on a weekend and uh, they taught us all these hand positions and things like that. And then uh, they got a massage table and one of us would be lying on the massage table while everybody else was practicing their hand positions on the person that was lying on the table. While two by two, we were, take, be, we were being taken to a different room to be what they called attuned to the energies. And then as those people would come out of the room, they would go back to putting their hands uh, to, to practicing their hand positions on the person on the table. Well, inevitably, everyone who came out of the room put their hands on the person and suddenly were, they, were, they were just amazed. Like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. And I'm, and I'm, remember, I'm a skeptic, right? So I'm going, oh, brother, come on. You know, <laughs> still the drama. So it came my turn to go into the back room. So I went. And they, they did the thing that they were doing. They tuned me, whatever. They, I came out of the room and I'm like, I'm feeling exactly the same. I feel no different whatsoever. I'm going, yeah, proof positive. This is all hokey. Uh, but, you know, I already paid my 300 bucks. So I may as well just get back to doing what I'm doing. So I went back to the person on the table and I put my hands on to continue practicing the hand positions. And, oh, my God, the energy that was blasting out of the palms of my hand is something that I had never in my life felt before. Wow. And it was so strong that it's not a subtle thing. This was a 100% tactile proof that there is something beyond our three-dimensional world that we live in because this energy 
didn't exist until I became more attuned with it. And now this energy 100% was coming out of the palms of my hands so strongly that it blew me back. It was unbelievable. Well, before I ask my next question, I want to go back to the ghost. So <laughs> <laughs> Yes, let's talk about Lila. So y'all are not scared of ghosts. I'm so scared of ghosts. <laughs> well, so, uh, gosh, a long time ago, I think I was watching Oprah or something like uh, years ago. And um, they were talking about this woman and she talks to ghosts and all of this stuff. And she said, if you ever feel like your home is haunted, just talk to the ghosts and say, hey, basically, you know, if you're cool, you can stay. If you're bad, you've got to go. You know, she said that much more eloquently. So whenever I've moved into older homes and stuff, I always have this conversation in case there's any ghosts there. And mm -hmm. the house that we're talking about um, in Orlando, I bought it probably maybe 10 years before I met Will. And it was built in the 1920s. It has a whole lot of history. And um, but one of the most there were a few a bunch of things that happened. You know, I'd have the dog that would stand there in the dark and bark and you never knew what he was barking at or just in one room. Um, and at the time I was a teacher. And for Christmas, a bunch of kids, you know, they give you the teacher's presents. And I'd gotten this really great pen that I just, I loved it. I used it all the time. It was my favorite pen. And then one day I lost it. Not, you know, I was kind of bummed, but it wasn't a huge deal. And I looked for it for, you know, a couple months. And then one day I woke up and I'm getting ready to go to school to work. And right there on top of my dresser that I had seen every day for the last two months was my pen. And it was taken apart and it was put in a straight line. Like each piece was lined up next to the next. So mm -hmm. it was, that was like, okay, that was not me. <laughs> I didn't even know where the pen was. Um, and that was kind of when I think Lila first really was exerting her presence like I'm here. Um, but another, she was helpful. She would help me find things. And the best example I have of that was... Um, when Will and I were, were dating, he gave me a beautiful uh, diamond bracelet and I wore it all of the time. And I, I was at work one day and I looked and it wasn't on. And I'm like, oh no, you know, where, it must have fallen off. So I drive home because it's, you know, this beautiful bracelet and I can't have just lost it. And as I'm pulling into the house, I see the guy, you know, mowing the lawn, like right by where I park. And I'm like, oh my God, it was probably in the grass there and it's getting all chopped up. And so I stop and I talk to him and nothing there. And so I go inside my house and I probably spent a good hour searching in and out of the house, in the couch cushions, places it never would have been because it was on my night, uh, nightstand in the morning. I'd put it on and go to work. It wasn't in my sheets, under the bed, nowhere. So I remember just about to give up. I'm like, all right, Lila. I, and I just named her Lila because I, I just felt like it was a woman presence and I liked that name. And it seemed kind of old timey. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, Lila, I really need your help. And at this time, I have already decided, great, now I'm going to have to go buy myself a new bracelet because I can't tell them that I lost it. You know? <laughs> the, like, the truth crap, comes out. i got to spend all this money now and buy a new bracelet. So after about an hour, you know, like I said, in and out of the house, in the car, everywhere looking, I finally just give up. So I, I opened the door to leave, the door that I had just walked through 20 times looking for this bracelet. And right on the welcome mat in front of me is my bracelet in a perfect spiral shape sitting there. And this was right after I had asked Lila for help. So, I mean, that to me is pretty proof positive. Mm. Uh, yeah, that in the in the bookshelves falling off the wall. Yeah, you had to acknowledge her um, every once in a while. Otherwise, I think she just wanted to make her presence known just to I think she just needed to feel valid. And it was as simple as, hey, Lila, hope you're having a good day. <laughs> you know, um, that sort of thing. But if you didn't, and it went for a while, things would happen like, um, <clears throat> yeah, the shelves would come off of the bathroom wall or just randomly in the middle of the night. The TV would turn on, just like weird stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, nothing bad ever happened. I never felt creeped out. I mean, I lived there by myself with my dog. Um, but it was fine. But I did have that conversation when I first moved into the house. I, you know, I hope spirits, if you're, any of you are here, I'm 
I'm sharing this space with you. You're welcome to stay. And, and this is your home uh, as long as you don't freak me out, mm-hmm. <laughs> as long as you're good. But if you have, you know, some bad intentions, then you need to leave and you, you're not welcome here. And that that's kind of what I do whenever I go to a new place that I'm living because I like old houses. We always end up living in old houses. And we've talked to a few people that have given us suggestions, right? One, one, and they've been ghost hunters and exorcists and all kinds of people. But the the big message, it's there's two messages that we've received. One is that you have to be strong by asserting yourself, saying mm-hmm. you're not welcome here. Get out! And apparently, they they have to get out. Right? They 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 don't have to. They they don't have the power over you that you have over them. Apparently, mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. said that, whatever you manifest whatever you truly believe will be what happens mm-hmm. right so karen and i have chosen to live in a reality where those types of entities those malevolent entities aren't around us because we don't choose to have them around us and personally i don't believe in hell uh, i don't believe in demons Um, if there's negative entities out there, I just feel maybe they're lost souls that are angry, but I don't think that anyone's out to harm me in particular. So, you know, when I have had some interesting experiences, interesting dreams, if you want to call them dreams, Mm -hmm. where I'm with someone like this, it's kind of like, okay, you, you need to go, you know, (laughs) just go into the love, go into the light. You need to go, but it's not, it's, it's, um. I've been a little nervous sometimes in these dreams, but for the most part, you just, you're strong and you say, move along. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's all about your vibrations, right? <laughs> if you, if you maintain a high vibration, then you're only going to attract high vibration things to you. Mm-hmm. If you exude or live in the lower vibration, then that's what you're going to be attracting. So it's important to keep yourself love, joy, uh, gratitude, all that is high vibe emotions that will keep that energy humming on a positive note where fear, envy, anger, that's all low vibration. And that's what manifests all those things that you should be afraid of. Because let's face it, we are we live in duality. There's night and day. There's uh, man and woman. There's good and bad. There just are. It's not that, that there's evil. There's just different types of energies. Mm-hmm. And it all depends on your vibration. Absolutely. But I don't believe in them. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's the thing about our podcast. Will and I have um, a lot of things we are line up perfectly. We believe exactly the same thing. And there are some things that, that we just believe very differently. Yep. Um, and this is one of them that's slightly different. Yep. And I think that you can be in a high vibration and, and maybe like a, a lower vibration can come to you. But my thoughts are they're coming to you because they want to also feel part of that. Yep. So it's more like looking for help. And that's kind of what we talked about earlier about different realities. And I full wholeheartedly support Karen's reality and she supports mine. We, mm-hmm. It's not about, no, you're wrong. No, you're, you're right. Uh, I see how that is true in, in your reality and I support that, but <laughs> not mine. And the, the truth of the matter is there's no need to try to convince someone to see things your way because your way isn't their way. Yeah, it's impossible anyway. Mm-hmm. To convince someone. No. Well, no, I mean, you can. Yes, but not but, these um, days. These well, days, people are just getting to fights. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, I mean, there's just no need to try. And it, it's just going to end up frustrating you more than anything. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So how do you feel about synchronicities, angel numbers, signs from the universe, and things like that? 
Oh, I believe all of that. And Will actually lately has been having, he's see the signs that he's not looking <laughs> at that are signs are the numbers. Those have been playing a very, very strong role for him, whether it's, you know, 1111, that was a huge one for the longest time. For me, it's 444. That's the number that pops up all of the time. But yeah, I, I definitely believe that, you know, kind of once you get into that vibrational level or realm, you start to, I don't know if that things come to you or you're just more aware of them or maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, it's like I'll be having so many synchronicities happen and I'll be like, oh, my gosh, and I, I don't be knowing like what to do. I'm like, OK, so now what? <laughs> I just I, I be want to know what does this mean? What do I do? I try to look some things up and I, it's, it has different meanings and I'd be confused. But I do notice synchronicities and angel numbers and all of those things as well. And I think that the meanings are up to you to interpret kind of what's going on in your life at the, at the moment. Um, I don't know. I had a, a friend of mine pass away. My best friend actually passed away about a, not quite a year ago. And I remember um, thinking, you know, I really reaching out to her saying, you know, send me a sign, show me that you're here. Um, send me a magnolia. Just the random thing that popped into my head because we both as college kids used to like this magnolia oil. So I'm like, send me a magnolia. Well, the next morning, the very first thing I got on my phone was a text message from my mom of a picture of a magnolia she took while she was on a walk. And it was, they started popping up everywhere. I went that day to work and I had to go to a different location. I turned down the road and it's Magnolia Street that the place is on. And it was just everywhere. Um, so I think that those are signs. You can interpret them however you want, but I think it's mostly like you're not alone. It's like a little, you know, we're here with you. You're being not that you're being watched but just you're not alone you're here in the community you can you, you can reach out to us if you need to and, and sometimes when you reach out you get those signs back and you just don't really believe that it's going to be a sign so you don't recognize it so i think that's that's important is not turning your uh, turning your back or closing to your, your eyes to something that you think would be a sign just because well that's kind of you know maybe i'm reaching or maybe you know that's that's not real it is I think all of those signs are real and I think it's important to look at them and to accept them and to be happy because you are getting a, like a little hello from the universe when you see these signs. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us how a skeptic can buy into as much woo as they want while still retaining their healthy skepticism. We talked about every path is legit. I, unfortunately, in this world, this industry, this whatever you want to call it, there's so many charlatans out there. There's so many people who are not out to help people, but rather just to make a buck mm -hmm. that it's not really, I don't want to say safe, but it, you, you need to maintain a healthy level of skepticism to navigate these waters. When we vet our guests for the show, we do a pretty extensive search of them. And if we find that they're trying to sell something just so over the top or um, seem to be doing their actions aren't quite aligned with the words they're saying, we tend to not have them on or not release the episodes after we've, we've interviewed them because we really take it seriously, the responsibility of being able to provide guests to our audience, to our listeners that we feel are have a good message to send out. We're all about the high vibes, right? We're trying to get the, the vibrations of the of the world to lift 
we're all in the midst of a massive spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. And we want to be part of the message. We want to be part of lifting, uplifting the world and bringing people on that are just trying to make uh, 20 bucks on a, on a psychic reading. It's not really what our mission is. So if you're not skeptical as you're talking to someone, um, you're doing yourself a disservice. But if you're being too skeptical to the point where you be, then become um, uh, cynical, then you're also doing yourself a disservice because you're not opening yourself up to the possibilities. So there's that sweet spot. You got you to gotta walk that tightrope really well uh, so that you don't slip on one direction or another. And also a big part of it is trusting your gut. We just spoke with someone who um, was talking about how your your body is almost like your subconscious is in your body, and that really knows a lot. Mm. Um, so those feelings that you get can can help too. So if you meet someone and they're you know they've got their readings or their you know whatever that they're trying to sell you, and you're like, oh, this is a Yahoo, then they probably are a Yahoo. You know? <laughs> but if there's something about them, you're like, hmm, then then think, listen to that little voice inside of you, and that that. That's a good starting point. I'm not saying just 100% go with that, but from there, maybe say, okay, let me look at this person. Let me look at their credentials. Let me look and see if I can get references or whatever you want to do with whatever the topic is. But just really listen to your gut too, because it'll tell you a lot. Yes, my gut feeling has definitely saved me in so many situations. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I like to rely on it and not second guess it. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. <laughs> so, um... Tell us how you went from skeptic metaphysician to pragmatic spirituality practitioners. So it's, it's another, not long one, but the we've been on this path now for many, 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 many years. And the guests that we're interviewing, the topics we're talking about, the exploration that we're on has taught us to let that skepticism or that cynicism go a lot more and be open to possibilities. Uh, this show has been what has helped us to open up our our possibilities. At least I would say mine, because I know Karen was already um, very much, she knows, she's known all along that this stuff is real and she's lived in these worlds um, really intuitively for a long time. It's me who was stuck in the caveman mentality that needed to kind of open up his his sensibilities. And this show has helped me to do that. What is the difference between metaphysics and spirituality? Um gosh, the difference I would say is the is the quantum realm. Spirituality, I think, is more so okay, so this is the difference between me and Will. Will wants to know the science behind of it. And I think that's kind of a little bit more the metaphysical theme. You can you can prove a lot of these things by looking at, you know, entanglement and quantum theory. Whereas for me, it's more about just the feeling of it all. Mm. Um, I really don't know how else I would explain the difference between the two. What about you, Will? I would say metaphysics is are the modalities, the psychics, okay. the energy healers, the... Um, past life regressions, uh, all those those modalities is the metaphysics of spirituality. Spirituality is an umbrella term that talks about our evolution, our spiritual awakening, and metaphysics is is are the tools that you use to get there. In my estimation, so like the cars that you drive. Yeah, it's like it's like the bodies that we inhabit, right? We are a spiritual being having a physical reality, um, or a. a, a we're spiritual beings 
having a physical experience. And um, metaphysics uh, are the tools you use. It's metaphysics is the body that we use to reach to our spiritual selves. Okay. So slightly different definitions, but I think they're both pretty, I think, yeah. pretty good. Pretty close. <laughs> pretty aligned. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the first steps anyone needs to make in order to find enlightenment? Well, first of all, you have to be open to it. And not just be like, oh, okay, you know, let's read about this book. You have to really, really be open to it and want to learn. And then kind of the, the gateway drug <laughs> would be meditation. That's what everybody seems to think. It's something that I struggled with for a long time until really actually recently. But it is the, an, an easy, not an easy, it's a way to clear your mind, to open your heart, and to to let it all in. Yeah, meditation helps you listen. Mm-hmm to the universe, helps you tap in. Our lives are so busy, we're constantly moving, rushing from place to place to place to place to place to place. We don't have you know, enough time to take a breath and let the universe talk to us and listen to us. Wayne Dyer used to say that the, that the uh, magic was in the pauses between um, speech or sounds or music. That's where the, that's where the divinity lives. And I, I believe it, being silent is an opportunity for the universe to speak to us. Yeah. Do you believe in telepathy? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about <laughs> it. Yeah. Can you have like telepathy with spirits or like say your ghost that um that lives where you live? Do you get to have like telepathy with the ghost? Like you could just or how does that work? I think so. I think most of the communication with the spirits is telepathic. Um, with my friend, when I was asking for the Magnolia, that I didn't say that out loud. That was just inside of my head and inside of my heart. Um, and I think it's an emotional type of telepathy as well. Now, I have occasionally heard a voice inside my head that wasn't mine. Not very often, but there are people that hear that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's different. That's a clear audience. That was before the medication, though, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, speaking of clear audience... Are there about eight clair senses? Yeah, yeah. There are quite a few clairs. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, it's like eight main ones or something like that. Um, I know one of them is being able to see things um, that others can't see. And then one is hearing um, mm-hmm. things and one you can touch. I think that's clairtangency. You can touch something and just feel the vibration that the person was on that had that object or mm-hmm. what What are the difference between the clairs and how, how can you tap into those senses? Before we answer that question, Brittany, just as a side note, uh, Karen's got to go pick up her daughter. Okay. So she has to say goodbye, but we can continue co- having a conversation if you want. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to pop out, but thank you very much. It was a pleasure to meet you and um, have fun. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> All right. Take care. Okay, so yeah, there, there's a clear audience, which is hearing, being able to hear someone like what Karen just talked about, which she heard a, a mess, a, a voice, actually hear that. Clairvoyance is people can see um, something, either uh, see spirits or see things about to happen. Clairsentience is like feeling, like you, you have a feeling, like, a, like the gut feeling we're talking about, right? Then there's uh, clear cognizant, which is um, just a knowing. Um, as, as someone asks you questions and you just know the answer, that is um, clear cognizant. Um, Try to think clear gustance is a clear sense of taste, like being able to like 
taste something, some sort of information. Like, like when you walk into a room and you you taste something really bitter, you know that there's something happened, something bad happened in that room, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's clear salience, which is a sense of smell. Uh, being able to smell, like you like you smell something weird and you go, oh my God, you smell it? He goes, no, I don't, I don't smell anything. Well, you might be smelling something that um, is, a, is a psychic sense. Um, I think those are the... The, the big ones of the, of the clairs. Uh, I think there's a clear empathy too, which is um, you get emotions. You start start getting sad when you walk into a room and it might be that someone, something tragic happened in that room, right? But there's there's a whole bunch, and I think there's more and more clairs that come out, um, but those I think are the big ones. How can you strengthen your clair senses or how do you know if you, how do you realize whether or not you have one? Because I know sometimes the, one of the clairs like clear empathy you might be feeling down and not know why but you might have that clear and you might be absorbing someone else's energy so how how to distinguish whether or not you have those senses and how to strengthen them yeah that that's the whole subtle messages it's um the only way to know is to put yourself to the test um ask yourself is this something that is coming from me, this emotion coming from me, do I feel this? Or is that coming from external sources? Um, none of this is an easy answer. It's if you really are interested in figuring this out, and by the way, we've heard time and time again that we are all psychic, that everyone has these talents. They're just in different degrees of strength. Um, I've been told that for me, for example, I'm claircognizant and that's how I'm psychic so that I know I get I just know things where uh, Karen is definitely an empath she feels emotions in a very strong way but I don't feel emotions that strongly where she doesn't have the claircognizant part of it so we're all in somewhere or another some sort of psychic we just have to figure out which one it is and sometimes it takes going to someone that is an expert that can help you to identify which ones make the most sense for you. And then from there, it's a process of um, of developing them and making them stronger. Why not knowing what happens when we die shouldn't matter to us? That is a great question. Um, all my life, I've lived in mortal fear of death. Since I can remember when I was a kid and I learned that we were all going to die, I was terrified of death. All I could think of is once we die, we're just going to be not there anymore. It's going to be black. We're not going to have any kind of consciousness, which is just game over, man, right? That kind of thing. And I was really afraid of that. And throughout this journey, the more I research it, first of all, the more I realize that that's silly because we are made of energy. You can't destroy energy. That is a proven uh, scientific uh, fact. It's not even theory. It's a fact. Mm-hmm. You cannot destroy energy. And that's what we are. We are energy. So there has to be something beyond this. And of course, now with all the research into near-death ex- death experiences and past life regression and all that kind of stuff, um, it's becoming more and more obvious that there is something beyond this mortal coil. But living your life constantly worried about what is there on the other side at the end of the day if there's nothing out there right if it's just darkness then we're not going to know any better so we can just 
be, knowing that it's we're not going to know any better. It's not going to affect us at all. But isn't it much, much nicer, much more fulfilling to believe that there is something else when we die? So then when you live with that thought in mind, that there's all this stuff that happens to us when we pass on that we can look forward to, it kind of brings a sense of peace to you that helps you live your life much more calmly. My fear of death has gone, has disappeared because at the end of the day, sure, I know, I believe strongly that there's life after death. But even if whether there is or there isn't, just the fact that I believe that there is gives me a sense of peace that I didn't feel until I learned to embrace that. How do we make sold contracts and how does that affect us once we incarnate? Because oh, okay. so I, I just be like, why did I sign up for that? If if this if this something, why did I sign up for that? I just don't get why I would, you know, want to go through these things. But, you know, mm. I realize, you know, it's a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that comes to the the true mysteries of the universe. Like what, who are we? What are we doing here? That kind of thing. Um, there's a school of thought and I, I'm, I believe it. It's, I'm, I'm part of that school that says that before we are born as souls, we create these contracts with other souls around us. And if you believe in the tenet of life after death and um, life after life, sorry, reincarnation, then this falls right in line with that. So apparently the theory is that you have a soul family, a group of souls that you reincarnate with again and again and again, and your purpose in this soul group is to help each other evolve and grow and awaken spiritually. And before you're born, you each you make this contract that says, this time around, I'm going to be, I'm going to experience X. And then one of your soul group says, okay, I volunteer to be the person that does Y so that you can experience X. So we're all, we all have a mission. We all have a, a, a reason for incarnating in our lifetimes. And then once we are born, we've got this imprinted in our soul. You asked earlier about numerology and things like that. If you look at astrology, numerology, now there's a new thing called human design and gene keys they all kind of work together and they speak the same language about what our path is on this planet. When you look at, I'm a Gemini. Karen is a Cancer. Um, my daughter is a Scorpio. If you look at those individual signs, they I don't necessarily believe that a horoscope can tell you your future, right? It's people who live by that. Um, I support them, but it's not my belief system. But what I do believe is that your horoscope, your sign, your sun sign, along with your moon sign and your rising sign and your planets and all that kind of stuff is super much more complicated than people believe or understand. I believe that it gives you a really good thumbnail, a look into who you are, what your personality is, that is pretty dead on across the board as far as I've seen. It it changes a little bit based on how you were raised and where you were you were raised and uh, environmental issues and things like that. But for the most part, when I meet a Gemini, I kind of know what to expect in a large extent, in a very general sense. Same thing with 
human design, same thing with numerology, same thing with all of those things that uh, tend to identify your personality. And if that's if these are all real, even go scientific, the the Myers Briggs test, their scientific or psychological testings, all that kind of stuff that they, people do in the workplace sometimes. If that is true, that kind of points to the fact that we all have a reason or a personality that that gives us a mission to be here. Um, sometimes that mission is to help others learn or grow or live while others sometimes our mission is to experience hardship and uh, misery in order to feel much more aligned or have empathy towards someone else or, or the humans uh, on the next time around so um, there's a big movement right now about how to tear up your soul contract because people don't want to have to experience misery and i think that's it's kind of sad because I'll tell you firsthand experience in this lifetime, if I hadn't gone through the hardships I went through, I would not be the person I am today. So I totally understand why they're there and I support them and I respect them. And my hope is that uh, I fulfill my contract to the best of my ability so that I can learn and grow and hopefully uh, be even better next time. Absolutely. <laughs> Sometimes I be feeling like them people. I'll be want to tear it up and wondering how, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I also, like you said, I realized that I am happy with, um, my growth over the years. And I realized why they are there and to help us evolve into the people that we are. So I am thankful for it at the end of the day. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I am too. Big time. With all of your great success, how have you been able to, benefit from the fruits of your labor? Um, interesting. I, I've lived my life very much in the, in the physical world. I have been very, very competitive. Um, I'm been a huge capitalist. I have, um, not proud of it, but I have in my past stepped on the little person to get ahead, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, this, well, I should, explain this a little bit when a COVID hit just like everybody else uh, i i faced a huge crisis um, some people face a bigger crisis than others i faced such a huge existential crisis that i was forced to face myself and look myself in the mirror and see who i was who i truly was and man i hated myself i hated myself in such a big way i came so close to losing my family, my career, my life, everything, just because of the person I was. Unbelievably entitled, super judgmental, um, uh, just negative, angry all the time. It was I was a terrible human being for all intents and purposes. I pretended to be a good guy and a nice guy and all that kind of stuff, but at the end of the day, it was really mostly just for selfish reasons. So when I was forced to face that, it was the worst experience of my life. I spent the next two years in a, what they call uh, dark night of the soul experience, mm -hmm. where I faced all of my inner demons in order for me to, in order for me to grow and evolve into who I actually wanted to be. And now though I've got a very long way to go still, I would never ever assume that, hey, I'm done, I'm, you know, I'm who, who 
where I wanted to be. No, I've got a long way to go. And it's, it, it's a lifelong thing. I'm going to always be working on myself now. But my, I've come a long way. I've come a very long way. And my family will tell you that. My friends will tell you that. My coworkers will tell you that. And I'm grateful for them for the feedback, both positive and negative, because of that. And one thing that I found was that because of this, I've learned that when you do things for the right reasons, success comes. This We almost shut down our podcast about a year ago because there's so much work. I do it all myself. And it was taking time away from the family. And Karen and I decided, yep, it's time to put it away because it, it served its purpose. It was, it was a way for me to help heal from this night, dark night of the soul I, was, I, I underwent. And we were online getting ready to shut everything down. And we stumbled on this um, page after page after page of reviews of the show that we didn't know existed. And as we sat there reading the reviews, we looked at each other and we said, oh, my God, we can't shut this down. These reviews were all talking about how helpful the show was, how it helped them to uh, come to terms with things, how it was their source of inspiration, um, thanking us for the work we're doing. And our thought was, if we're helping even one more person, then we can't stop because this stuff is needed out there. And so now the show, we do it as a, as a service, to be in service to, to humankind. And the more that we try to help others rather than, um, rather than to, uh, gain something, which unfortunately most of the, the, this world is all about, um, more and more and more. When we shifted our focus to let's be of service to others, we didn't even think about the show. But as we're helping others, we're finding that the show is growing by leaps and bounds and our financial situation is getting better and better because we're not in it out of greed and envy, but rather because our heart's in the right place and we want to help other people. And the universe is saying, we're going to give you what you need to help support your mission because you're doing the right thing. Absolutely. I love that message. That was a great way to end the show. And your podcast, um, tell everybody where they can listen to it at. Very best way to find us, best place to find us is online at skepticmetaphysician.com. It's a one-stop shop for us. So you can subscribe to the show there. You can listen to the shows there. You can watch the videos. Uh, you can send us email or voicemail there. You can follow us on uh, social medias through that website. Everything you need to know about us and the show is at skepticmetaphysician.com. Absolutely. And before you go, I would like to add you guys um, earlier in the season, my sister was on, she talked about sleep paralysis and their show. They have um, an episode about sleep paralysis. They can really teach you a lot about it too. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it's one of our favorite shows. It was a um, I spoke to someone who uh, wasn't 100% sure what was happening. Uh, she was experiencing these episodes where she would wake up and um, she couldn't move. And she felt like this um, big um, weight was on her chest. Uh, and she started freaking out. And we talked to her. It became a two-part episode. But we, t I talked to her about her experience, went through it from start to finish. Um, and, well... Um, 
spoiler alert, it was the beginning of her astral projection story. Um, in fact, so much so that um, we call the episode sleep paralysis and a great buzzing event. And if you listen to the episode, you'll know why. And then the one right after that is astral projection, one woman's story. Because the first part was talking about uh, her sleep paralysis and this thing that started happening to her where her whole body was buzzing. Um, that was all in preparation for what happened a few days later when she left her body uh, spontaneously uh, after um, a while and we talked to her about her experiences uh, out of the body. Well, and I know that's going to be a great episode. I'm going to listen to it right after this. Awesome. <laughs> and awesome. I'm going We'd to send to it to my think. sister. <laughs> yes, I, I would definitely tell you. And I will give you a great review on it as well. Because I listened to some episodes already of yours. And your oh. show is really amazing. I know Thank they're going to love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. It was really amazing having you here today. Thank you so much. And thank um, your wife as well for being here. You guys were great. And um, are there any last words you would like to say before we go? Uh, just open up. If if this resonates with you at all, at all, then there's you are just starting to wake up. You're starting to understand that there's so much more out there. We are meant to explore. We are meant to be the spiritual beings that we are. And we're going right now, the world is undergoing a mass awakening. Be part of it. Be open to this kind of thing. Don't don't shut it down because you don't want to be left behind. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing us on, uh, Brittany. It was a pleasure and um, we wish you the best on the show. Thank you so much. I wish you the best as well. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>